sometimes it works out really well like this one and sometimes I just wallow in mediocrity. Welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the only Survivor podcast that makes you wait four whole days for Jared to finish a story. That is true. I am your host, Stephen Levine, with my co-host, Jared Sheldon. Jared, how you doing? I'm good. My voice is a little tired, yeah. so if, if you out there listening are like, Jared sounds different, that's because I do. Your headphones aren't wrong. It is, it is the voice that is wrong. Yeah, so where we left off last podcast, I guess just jumping right into sure, it since that you made that the opener. I did. So for those of you that listened to our Gone bonus episode, I think at the end we talked about another movie that Dirk had been in named A Rabbit's Trail. A Rabbit's Trails, double plural. For some reason that's important. <laughs> I hate that. Yeah, it's not a good title. It's sort of unique being double plural, so I thought we'd find something on it. Sure. During the episode we found an IMDb page. I wanted to find this movie so bad. The trailer came out in 2009. So I went through IMDb, mm -hmm. looked at the director. It was all the same people. It was all <laughs> one guy that did everything. I tried to look it up on YouTube. Nothing. I tried to look it up on sketchy movie piracy sites. Nothing. <laughs> and I would, most of the time I would get like comics about like rabbits. You know, like a... What's, I don't know, like a popular, like, rabbit in media? Zootopia. Sure. Uh, Judy Hopps. Yeah, something like that. Or, like, you know, poems about, like, Peter, rabbits. Peter Rabbit. Yeah, that's the one. That is what I was actually thinking of. Okay, Thank cool. you. And then sometimes about, like, <laughs> like, nature articles or whatever. But I did find, when I found the trailer on YouTube, that it had a channel. Okay. And that trailer was the only thing. Sure. So you, you hit a dead end and you just said, well, that's it. That's all I got, right? Yeah, that's what normal people would do. Okay, cool. So <laughs> I went and I looked at the contact information that the YouTube channel, which had not posted since 2009, had listed. It was called Seventh Year Studios. I looked up that, found nothing. Are we doxing these people? <laughs> no, because they don't exist anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> so... When I went to the website that was listed in the YouTube, like, contact information, the website did not exist. Fine. Cool. Where most people would... Wait. Yes, you stopped there. They would have stopped a while ago. Uh -huh. But And mind you, I did all of this physically at work. Like, I was in my office building when I did <laughs> all of this. <laughs> oh, Because man. I was bored and a little bit overwhelmed, and sometimes when my life is too busy, I'll do some random offshoot adventure that could be, like, a filler episode. Yeah. I I used the Wayback Machine. For those of you that don't know what the Wayback Machine is, you can put any website into it, and it will show you all the times it's been archived mm -hmm. and a copy it's been saved. It's really cool for uh, modern, popular websites to go back and see. Like I think NFL.com has one from like the '90s. It's it's really cool. The most recent posting from Seventh Studios, Seventh Day Studios, or whatever it is, .com was from 2016 and it was a blog entirely in mandarin which i <laughs> did try to run through google translate and it did not make any sense okay so i'm back to the first thing that was oh ever archived which was in 2009 so i found the debunked studios <laughs> website 
Defunct, not debunked. Yes, thank you. Defunct. They <laughs> I mean, did in fact exist. They, well, at they, one point. They were probably also debunked. Yes. And there was an email. There's an email address. Oh, I should note that at some point in this process, I also just emailed a director with the same name as the guy who created it, being like, is this you? I don't see this on your, like, three sci-fi channel films you've made, but, like, is it you? And he did email me back being like, that's not me. I have no idea what you're talking about. Cool, thank you. Yes. I appreciate that, I, Yeah, it was, it, was, it was like a week later. I was like, it was okay. But the email was an email that was linked through the studio's website. So that was a dead end. That was a, that was a dead email address. Okay. <laughs> but there was a phone number. Oh, no. <laughs> I know, is, that, I know this story, too, and I, I'm still going on a, a journey here. It is the year of our Lord, 2022. This website was made in 2009. I was like, surely, surely this is not going to be the same person. But I called it. So I'm walking around a part of my office building I use when I take calls for, like, customers and stuff, because I like to pace on the phone. And I am fully on this discovery call. And somebody picks up. To my surprise, they answered, my, my zip code is from West Michigan. This is like a Hollywood, California zip code. I'm like, they're not going to pick up. They're going to think it's spam. Nope. So the guy picks up. I never got his name. He would not give me his name. That's I did try. good. I'm glad. It was probably the director. So I called him and said, hi, I'm doing, uh, I had no idea where I was going to go with this. So I'm like stumbling all of my words. I'm saying, hi. My name's Jared. I am doing a investigative piece on early survivors and like what they did in the first season of Survivor and like what they did when they left the show, which is kind of true. Yeah, kind of. This poor man must have thought like something had happened or uh. so, because he's like getting a call from a random number asking about a film that nobody knows and came out 13 years ago. So did it come out? Well, we're going to get there. He was very sketched out by me. And so he goes, oh, yeah, the trailer's on, on IMDb. You can probably see it there. I was like, yeah, right. Well, I, I kind of wanted to see the film. Turns out why I couldn't find the film is because it doesn't exist. It never got finished. Or it never got released, at least. I did ask if you'd send it to me. He said no. Absolutely <laughs> not. Which, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Would not give me his name. And I asked him how it was to work with Dirk. And he said, yeah, he was fine. All right. So that's how I harassed a man that knew nothing about me. That Imagine getting a call from somebody on a project you work on that didn't finish. A project that was not released 13 years ago. Jared, why are you trying to ruin this man's life? I'm not, but I, it was a, gr this is committing to the bit, Stephen. You committed so hard to that bit. I, I, I don't know what to say about that. It's, it's, it's a little frightening how far you will go for this bit. I will find Ugh. and make you watch awful movies if it is the death of me. This is all just for Survivor-adjacent material. Imagine if I was the one allowed to do research <laughs> for this podcast. We would have three-hour episodes, <laughs> and no one would stand for it. Cool. I'm going to move forward with emails. You can email us at... SurvivorTBT at gmail.com, or you can message us in multiple different ways. We have SurvivorTBT on Twitter, or also you slash SurvivorTBT on Reddit. On Reddit. That's what I was looking for. Thank you. I do. I go into this mode where I'm like, Jared. You just stare dead into my eyes. Give me the answer. It's very unnerving. 
<laughs> Going through our emails real quick. We've got our trio. We need a, a name for these three guys. The titillating trio. Ooh, the titillating trio. The titillating trio all came through this week. Making sure. Yes, all three of them. Cool. From Tyler. Tyler sent in some, some background information for our two castaways that went home. In 2003, Jesse was on season two of a Spanish Telemundo USA show. It's essentially the next telenovela star. Okay. Which featured seven men and seven women from various Latin American countries competing in a challenge to win a role on a telenovela. So they would do weekly performances that would show, it would document them living together in a studio, but also like their acting prowess. I don't know. Very strange. And then one person who was the worst performer and one person voted on by their fellow castmates would be put to an audience vote. So it's essentially Survivor slash Big Brother slash America's Next Top Model. I'm assuming the judge, there's like judges that would decide who's the quote unquote worst one. Must be. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, interesting. And ultimately Jesse was the female runner up. Oh, heck yeah. So yeah, probably had some actual talent in there. And then doesn't have much for Carl. Apparently he did a lot of charity work both locally and nationally, but couldn't find a whole lot of specifics for details. All right. But also has a comment about sit-outs. Regarding sit-outs, the rule of sitting out was only applicable to -to back-to-back challenges this early. So then why did Jeff make the point of saying it when he knew the next challenge didn't have sit-outs? So this is what Tyler says. Carl and Teresa were not shown working on the distress signal at all, so it's possible they did sit out in the challenge. Maybe. I don't know why they would sit Carl out. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Because the boomers were kind of throwing a fit. B- possibly. But it's it's a valid argument here. Oh yeah, and has, has a nice comment about how CBS was known as the old people's network. So <laughs> a lot of people definitely sided with the boomer group. Fucking course. And from how I, we'll talk about it in the episode, but from watching it with you, I get the feeling that you're on the other side. Yes. Okay, cool. Let's leave it at that. From Carl. Carl has some, some nice thoughts from the one with the cow blood. I'd put Australian Outback as a B in our tier list. Australian Outback is a B. Borneo is pure S, pure gold. Top of the moon. I'd say if we're going to give Borneo a rating, A, but it doesn't even feel fair to rate Borneo. Hey, we're not we're not making a tier list. We're just making yeah, that's a strict top-to-bottom list. I'm going to let all the fans do the tier rankings. Plus, I don't know that we can accurately put them in a tier list if we haven't seen them all. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Lots of fun stuff. Frank, love how he talks mad shit about Lindsay when she's right there. Mm, mm. chef's kiss chef's kiss carl is okay wait i said this to you steven but is frank just male deb Mm. possibly (laughs) i we didn't get to see a lot of deb we didn't get to see a lot of deb the worst qualities yes yeah however and i will talk about it in the episode he's coming around on me carl is oh sorry not carl frank is well, of course, Carl's gone. How could he? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Frank is. Yes. Frank's coming around. Interesting. We have a lot to discuss then. Yes. <laughs> Carl says that Carl is absolutely 100% an old person name. When I introduced myself in Spanish, I'd often say Carlos, partly because it sounds way cooler. I love that. Yeah. I, I mean, I have a name that 
it's it kind of blends. Stephen is definitely looked at as a younger person name, and yeah. so most people default to Steve when they meet. It it's a huge generation thing where when I meet people that are older that I have to work with them, they automatically automatically default to Steve. Stephen just feels like a timeless name, like Michael. Like there's there's always Michaels. There's mm-hmm. always Stevens. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there's always Sarahs. There is. <laughs> yeah. And had some good thoughts about the cow challenge. Love the cow blood challenge. Do the tribes people drink it with milk or was that just for the Americans? And would it make it easier or harder to drink? Hmm. Milk, I think, would make it easier. Jeff did say, I think, that they mix, that the tribes also mix it in there. I think he did say that. Yeah. And then has a good, it said we had a good point about the, the fake gag might actually be, the real gag might have been a fake gag because then there's stuff in your mouth longer and you have to think about it a little more. I don't know. It's a little bit of gamesmanship there. Always fun. And then episode three would be great if Dr. Carl Balencioni was spending his retirement keeping up with correspondence with the Survivor Rewatch podcast. (laughs) You did it, Carl. Thank you. Well, okay. I think that's essentially saying not the Carl from the show. He did say when he introduced himself in Spanish and (laughs) Carl on the show is Italian as hell. Not that he couldn't learn Spanish, but... eh. Yeah, who knows? (laughs) Yes, lots of lots of interesting things. I fucking love Linda so much as a survivor character, gesticulating about how you have to let this place feel your spirit as a nonplussed Frank ignores her. Hilarious. That is funny. Yeah. And loves the music at the end of the reward challenge from this episode. I don't know if you remember it. I do. I remember it being different, and I remember really it's liking so it. It's so good. Yeah. Survivors coming into their own with the music, man. I love it. And apparently they targeted Carl because the young people figured it was going to be a tiebreaker and everyone had come to learn that he wasn't very knowledgeable about nature. (laughs) Turned out to be a good strategy. That actually is really smart then. Yeah. Okay. A tribe full of Carls. What if they actually did a survivor like that? Carls versus the Rachels with tribes of eight (laughs) people that all share the same name. Voting would be hell. I would hate that. It would be awful. Awful for the audience and awful for the tribes people because no one would be... Yeah, you you would have to ask people. Okay, so wh- what's your what's your last name again? How do we how do I address you? That's not hey Carl, huh? Huh? What? Where? <laughs> Be fucking chaos, absolute chaos. And then one from Josh as well. One email from Josh. Subjective challenges are brought out to give loser tribes such as Baran a more biased chance, in my opinion. I. That's what I was hoping it's not, but I think that is what it is. Mm. I hope not. I well, re- I really hope. I don't want the show to put if if it's going one way, let it go let that it go. way. I agree, and we'll we'll call it out if we see it. Yeah. Like I said, thankfully that one was so like not even close that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. they didn't need to do anything sketchy. Yeah, and Lindsay apparently needed an IV in that episode. That makes sense. It does. I mean, I'm surprised that there haven't been more of that. Yeah, we've only had two so far that we know of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, jeez. Like, they're struggling water-wise, and this episode they will continue to struggle water-wise. <laughs> well, Samburu will continue to struggle water-wise. Yes. And they play up Frank's bossiness. He's a loner who doesn't talk to people most of the time. Okay. Oh, we'll I get it. I get a different vibe from the way that he... 
interacts every time they're doing something as a group. Uh-huh. But I'm somebody who's bossy doesn't have to be bossy 24-7. Mm-hmm. They're bossy when they're working with others. I forget. Is he a military guy? I don't... It's unclear. Because he was asked if he was. And he said, yeah, I served. It, I, my troop name was oh, Freedom or something right. like that. I think he is. I, I think, think he might be. Yeah, his job is a telephone technician. I yeah. think he is former military. I mean, he, he's, he looks the type. Yeah. That's what my grandpa did. Type. He was a telephone technician. Oh. They used to be a much harder job than it is now. Yeah. Or a much physically harder job than it is now. Yeah. He also had cancer, so I wonder if the two were related. Well, was he also an army guy? No. Oh, okay. Well, maybe. Uh, was he a smoker? No. Huh. I don't think so. It, at least, definitely not when I was alive. We here at the Surviving Turning Back Time podcast would like you to know that your phone is giving you cancer. Ah, it's fine. I'm so... Just looking at my family history, I'm so genetically predestined for this that so be it. Steven. Yeah. I'm your cancer. Bumper. All right, so this episode came out November 1st of 2001. Couple things happened. Oh, I would like to say, saying that Windows XP was more important than 9-11, that was probably a stupid take. <laughs> I re-listened to it, and I, I understand my reasoning, but I don't know that I agree with myself. Okay. Like I said, a couple things happened, one of which is the United States passes the USA Patriot Act into law. Cool. That, I would say, is a bigger deal than 9-11. That's a big yikes. It's a big yikes. In more chill news, the indie cult hit Donnie Darko, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, is released. I never watched it. Me either, but I know it's really good. Hmm. The number one song in America was Family Affair by Mary J. Blige. And the number one song in Britain was Because I Got High. (laughs) just seemed fun to mention. Yeah. Is that Afro Man? It was. Okay. The number one film was K-Pax. And then 13 Ghosts from Hell, Riding Cars with Boys, and Training Day. I did look up a description of K-Pax, which I'm going to start doing for the number one box office film that we don't know. Okay. As a 42% in Rotten Tomatoes. Tells the story of a mysterious patient, Kevin Spacey, at a mental hospital who claims to be from a distant planet called K-Pax. As a psychiatrist, Jeff Bridges, tries to figure out exactly how to help the patient, he gradually realizes, begins to realize, that the so-called alien is having a remarkable effect on the mental health of his hospital's other patients. I've never heard of this in my life, and it sounds like it sucks. I mean, it's Kevin Spacey, so right there, it's not great. Oh, no. Having a... I forgot about the sex crimes. Yeah. (laughs) I forgot about Kevin Spacey, to be honest. That's fair. We should all be so lucky. Cool. That's what happened. That's what happened. Last week on Glee. And that's what you missed on Glee. That's what... Did we make that joke last week? I think I made it to you off mic. I think you did. That's why it was in my brain. Yeah. I didn't watch Glee. Me either. Except for the one episode where... The one kid goes out for the football team as the kicker, and my family made me watch it because I was the kicker. It was essentially just harassing me. Because <laughs> the theater kid went out for football. And was a kicker. And was a kicker. I did other things too, uh-huh. man. <sighs> Into the episode. <laughs> this episode starts, as most of the episode goes, 
Just a whole bunch of shit talking in Sambaru. Uh-huh. It's just... Ooh. Not a lot of graceful winning or graceful losing. No. Exactly what I predicted last episode. This tribe is a hot mess. And yep. And the, the tribal lines are drawn... <laughs> And no one is pulling any punches. No. And it's just nasty. Yeah. Right off the top, Lindsay, out loud in front of everybody, I'm still here. I'm smiling big. Like, jeez. Yeah, I like Lindsay a little less this episode. I I do appreciate that she's she's very honest. She's very vulnerable. Uh-huh. She kind of wears her emotions, like, right on her sleeve, which yeah. I do appreciate, but also I can see why that'd be very hard for everyone around her. I, she said later on that she's she was kind of emotional because she didn't expect to get vote. She was reeling a little bit. But to say out loud, don't fuck with me in front of everyone else just seems a step too far, don't you think? The one defense I'll give Lindsay. Mm-hmm. This is the most grueling tribal council we've seen thus far. Yeah. We've never seen one go to fucking trivia. And like... And, and we never three, will and again. And we never will again. And like three questions into trivia where every time she revealed her pen and paper like could have been the time that she went home. Mm-hmm. Not defending her because it was way in their face. But you're coming off that massive adrenaline high. Yeah. And she should have been maybe like gone off and done that alone. Yeah. And then calls her team together with a come here team... And they don't mean all seven of them. They mean the four of them. Because there are three tribes. Correct. The three tribes. But you said All-Stars was the first time with three tribes. Hey, now. (laughs) Yeah. To which Frank responds, Damn you, Carl, for leaving me with this bunch of misfits. This is why I don't like the boomers. Okay, go, go on. This yeah, let's just good... hash this out. Yeah. Let's just do it. Because you're on Team Boomer. I'm on Team Gen X. I don't know that I'm on Team Boomer, but uh-huh. I, I like Frank. More than okay. I did at the start. The the boomers are just so fucking passive aggressive. This whole episode and last episode. And the young people are being shitty. Mm-hmm. There is no denying that. <laughs> but they're being so holier than thou and so passive aggressive. We're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, we're not going to... Uh, well, we're just going to let the water run out. Because they don't want to do it our way. And look at that. It gets done. Like, did, did they need to sleep that late? No. Did they need to be woken up before the fucking sun the next day? No. So they're just doing these things to like be shitty. And it's it's that typical behavior of like, well, if you're not doing it my way, then I'm not going to do anything at all. It's weaponized incompetence. And it drives me crazy. I, mm, that's an interesting way to put it. Weaponizing competence. That might not be, that might not be true because weaponizing competence is when you do something wrong on purpose. They kind of just stop doing things. Okay. The, like, the way I read that statement was like, oh, they're incompetent. Therefore, I guess I need to like get on their level or really rule them so that we can be functional. Yeah, well, that's that's part of the problem. Is I think that the, the boomers set up what they wanted the tribe to be. Mm-hmm. We get water at 5 a.m. We do chores at this time and didn't consult with any of the younger people. And they're like, why aren't they grateful for the system we set up? Because you didn't ask them about it. You didn't work with them on it. Yeah. You just, you expected them or wanted them to jump in and do things your way without asking them to. And then get mad when they didn't meet the expectations you didn't communicate that you set for them. Yeah. 
I am going to take, as I often do, the middle ground here. Stephen, strong opinion, Labine. We can't both have strong opinions. <laughs> yes, we can. We absolutely can. We'll just turn into ESPN first take. Oh, God. No. Then I'll quit right now. ESPN is unwatchable. <laughs> Come at me, bro. <laughs> I think both sides are real shitty at this. Yes. And the the older people are trying to rule with an iron fist. The younger people are not pulling their weight. Or at least... I mean, sleeping in is one thing, but it's it's very clearly, like, sunny out, and they're sleeping in much longer yeah. than the other people are. And then they're getting mad when the older people are going and doing it because they're still asleep. Like, I, I see the, the point in getting up before it gets extremely hot sure. so that you're not wasting energy in the blazing sun. But also, like, I don't know. Do we you, don't know the watch schedule either, which do doesn't have, help us. Yeah, do you have to, like, scream at people in the morning, like, all right, get up, we're going, yeah, let's do it, woo! No. I don't know, man. And I guess I value genuineness, mm-hmm. and I will give that Frank does seem, like, he's genuine at times with us in the camera, and then he's just sometimes kind of quiet around the younger people and holds his tongue until he goes into military boss mode again. Sure. But like Teresa and Linda and Carl before they were gone, they're just passive aggressive and kind of shitty. And then people have done that at times, like when they were picking at uh, Carl's wealth. Mm -hmm. But like Lindsay's outburst comes from a place of being genuine Mm -hmm. and not trying to pretend they're doing something that they aren't as opposed to like Linda's meltdown that we'll talk about later in the episode that was a performance for everyone, including herself, where she's like, I don't understand what I did wrong. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not defending Linda by any <laughs> means. There's nothing there. I don't know that I have strong feelings about Teresa being shitty or passive-aggressive. I think Frank saw what he was doing wrong in the early episodes of mm. really trying to take the Iron Fist and has toned it down severely. He's... He had the one moment in this episode where he just couldn't help himself. Mm-hmm. But I I do want to give it from maybe it was out of a place of need. Sure. Because of one scenario that does happen in the episode. So let's just continue on. Yes. On Boran, food issues again. F- Survivor, food issues go hand in hand. Let's just continue on. They are not good at rationing. Yeah. Although I still stand stand true that they did not give them enough food on season two. I agree. But this this one, they're straight up like, oh, we have not been rationing this well, huh? <laughs> they're, they're over-portioning, and they they realize this, because they're going through and they're like counting out everything. They're scooping it into bowls and saying, oh, no, I think we're, we're giving too much. But it's, there's no rice. It's all cornmeal. That, yeah, which is weird. It is weird from survivor standpoint, but it makes sense because rice uses so much water, oh. and they just don't have access to that. You're right. So, I don't know. I think it's something I wouldn't have thought about had they not said that. Yeah. No, I I was trying to wonder why they use cornmeal, but the water thing is a good point. Yeah. And Tom, on top of them over-portioning, Tom is struggling to eat the cornmeal. Yeah. Just having a hard time. It's something about the texture, the taste, it just... It's so hard for him to eat this. He seemed to imply that 
it he feels like he's eating poop. That's the best we could gather from his comment. Yeah, he says, and I quote, the cornmeal tastes like something that rhymes with grits. So we're like, shits? Shits? I don't... Uh, or maybe, maybe he said rhymes with grit? Because that would just be shit. I don't know, man. It was weird. It was, it was veiled for no reason. Yeah. And then they go off, and they're getting water, but Tom and Clarence come across a rock fruit tree, which looks like a palm tree. But really, really tall. And they're like, let's get that fruit. And I will say, I did not feel like Tom wanted to drop a racial slur during any of this segment. Is Tom growing on you, Jared? A little bit. A little bit. <gasps> okay. I'm waiting for three episodes from now when he drops the N-word. Got with it. hard R. But even more than Tom, though, Clarence is growing on me. I have a Clarence quote from this episode. Go on. Well, for context... These, this fruit is 50 feet up this tree yeah. by Clarence's approximation. Yeah, it, it can't be that much because they definitely throw a rock at it. Uh, yeah, it could be 20, 30, but it's, it's tall. It is. It's very tall. And Tom tries to climb it, and it's, <laughs> there's not a lot of branches coming off it. It's a palm tree. So Clarence, and I quote, Your country ass is climbing a tree in the middle of Africa. <laughs> it was a beautiful sight to, to witness. It, it, he doesn't make it very far before he eventually gives up, but yeah. he was also not listening to Clarence, and nope. if he could have made it, he was going to. Yes. I also, this episode showed us a little bit of a hint of how smart Clarence is, mm-hmm. and I am I understand that the, the food drama had to be the edit for the first episode, sure. and kind of the second episode, because he was still on it, but I like smart Clarence. Yeah. Clarence knew what this fruit was, knew how to like prep it. And clearly read that he could have fucking won the trivia, that's for sure. Yeah. It's, they're really laying off of him being the bad guy now. And yeah. I, I honestly, good. I'm, I'm sick of the bad guy edit for Clarence. Yeah. Not that he didn't deserve it, because, like, I get it. It's kind of shitty opening food around, but I, let's move on. Move, move forward with the narrative. Well, and this, this really does show the dichotomy of the two tribes. Like, one of them is falling apart and yelling at each other and being passive-aggressive, and the other one is going on a food adventure. (laughs) Which, this is the quality of life stuff I love. This is the camp life stuff I love. Yeah. Clarence and Tom stumble upon a weird tree and try to get its fruit, and it's kind of disappointing. It was fun. They they do get two fruit down. They try to cut it open, and it's miserable to cut into. They, like, chop at it for what they say like 20 minutes yeah and they barely got any fruit out of it probably why it's called a rock fruit that would make sense yeah on one side of the of where these tribes are located you have buddy cop adventures climbing trees <laughs> and the other side you have the montagues and capulets trying to fucking stab each other it's beautiful it's it's just a whole dichotomy with this season Flipping back, and we talked about this a little bit, but man, it's just, it's, it's a mess. They're trying to sleep in. They're letting everyone sleep in. The old people are like, yeah, it's fine. Whatever, sleep in. But then they get a reward challenge, so they do have to get up. So yeah. the old people have to come in and be like, hey, guys, you gotta get up now. And they're so, con- they're goddamn, so condescending. They're so goddamn condescending. Silas tries to rally everyone, takes a knee, gives a motivational speech. Says, and I quote, Daggummit, man. <laughs> Daggummit, man. It, Bobby. Got fucking Frank Hill out here in the <laughs> Sahara. <laughs> we got we got to rally and sell the propane. <laughs> and then there's just a whole 
meltdown with Linda about like they Linda tries to hug Lindsay. It starts before that. Yeah. Because so basically Silas, like you said, tries to rally the team. Uh-huh. And Linda takes that moment to air her grievances, which probably isn't the time no. right before your reward challenge. Well, when we're trying to rally, why then bring it back into the oh, we're I have issues. Let's hash it out. Like, Linda tries to pretend to be this very mature person. Uh-huh. A mature person there would have said, like, yeah, okay, I last night bothered me. Let's put that aside, win this challenge, we can talk about it when we get back. She had to say something, though. She had to say something. And she had to try to give Lindsay a hug. First, she says, she does this whole sarcastic bit to Silas. I was so uncomfortable during this whole bit. This, this like, sarcastic... Oh, yeah, go, Captain, go. And then Lindsay tries to say something, and she namaste kneels at her and says, like, thank you, goddess, or something like that. Yeah. And then tries to hug her. And even to the confessional, tries to pretend it's totally genuine. Tries to be like, oh, I was just trying to hug her. What's the problem? It's not. It's it, very much not. So infuriating. Yeah. And then proceeds to say when Lindsay's like, no, I don't want to hug you. Anger is a cover for sadness. Linda is weaponized therapy. <laughs> if that makes sense. I, it absolutely makes sense to my brain. It's She thinks she's 10 steps ahead of everyone and tries to manipulate emotions, tries to be this almighty being... And everyone's just watching her jump around like an idiot. Yeah. Her personal item must have been peyote. I actually did look it up. It was like aromatherapy oil. So she said it was aromatherapy oil and it was actually peyote. Maybe. Maybe. So yeah, we get to the reward challenge. And this is, from the outside, it looks like a very simple challenge. It's run, go grab the things, and come back. But there's more to it than... I remembered it was more difficult and had a little bit more dynamic than I expected. I disagree. Okay, go on. I, I mean, it was harder than it looked. Correct. But I don't think it was more complicated than it looked. Oh, it no, no, was no. run up a ramp, get your balance on the net, climb the rope, grab the thing, get your balance on the net, run down the ramp, repeat. Yes. And as we saw, they're neck and neck until somebody fails. And then you lose the challenge because how do you come back from being one whole item down? You don't. Sure. It, it, it is. It's, it's a sprint for whatever, 40 meters, go get on the, a net that sinks. And that was the biggest struggle with everyone. Yeah. Is once everyone hit the, the I don't even know what you would call it. It's not a rope bridge. It's, it's, like, it's a full-on net without, without a bottom holding yeah. it. So it's... Unsupported net. Yeah. They, they hop on, they're running up a ramp, they hit the net, and then everyone just eats it right into the net because their weight just shifts. They expect it to support them, but it doesn't support them. It's very loose. They go not, it's not straight down. at all. Yeah. And they eventually ran out of ways to show this challenge because it was just, okay, we get it. They fall, they climb up the thing, whatever. They, they cut it real short yeah. until we get to Kim, old Kim on Baran, who just can't make it across that net. She can't do it. She falls. She stumbles. She stumbles. She stumbles some more. Yeah, I did say, like, for all the dragging of the challenge I just did, 
I did write down that I could watch hours of people trying and failing to run on this net because it was hilarious every time. <laughs> Tom's athleticism, mm, thing of beauty. <laughs> Once again, that's sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have much to say about this, except they didn't mention sit-outs again. I'm sure that they had to talk about it, but they just didn't show it. Yeah. But we, I didn't sit there taking notes of who ran, so... You couldn't have, because they, they cut some. Jeff did mention this will be the second time you're going through, and it was the same two people that started, so they yep. did sit somebody. We just don't know who it was. Okay. Because they just... started with Tom and Brandon, yeah. and then when Jeff said something about, like, we're getting to the start of our second run, mm-hmm. it was Tom and Brandon again. Yeah, I just assumed everybody had to go twice. Everyone had to go twice. There was 12 bags, and Baran had six people, while Samburu had seven. Sure. Okay. So, either way, most people had to go twice. Maybe two Samburu people only went once. Maybe. I think they sat somebody. It's not important. It's not important. doesn't matter. We love getting bogged down in granular details. Yes, we do. It's our favorite thing. Samburu wins! A basket of goodies. It... There wasn't a whole lot of exciting things. I mean, if you're eating nothing but cornmeal, beautiful. Give me anything. Yes. Spices is a great survival reward because mm-hmm. everyone gets so happy. When your food is so bland, you're just desperate for spices. We have fought wars over spices. The British conquer the world for them and then don't use any of them in their cooking. Oops. <laughs> yeah. One spices, oils, uh, soups, jellies. Lots of lots of fun things. Soup mix, not actual soup. Right. Yeah. Put it in it's a concentrate or whatever. Yeah. Take a quick divulge away from from the game. We're done with the reward challenge. Okay. I want to go through the list of survivors of the contestants still in the game and point out if we if there's any we haven't really gotten exposure to. Okay. Because I feel like there's only one or two, and I feel like episode four is a good breaking point of like, have we met everyone? Okay. If that makes sure. sense. So, Silas, we've seen a, a lot of a shit times. done. Kim on Samburu is being hidden. We've only seen her once or twice. She's one of the younger people on Samburu. Right. Yes. Yeah. You're right. Lindsay, seen a lot of Lindsay. A lot of Lindsay. Frank, seen a lot of Frank. Mm-hmm. Brandon, seen a good amount of Brandon. Yeah. Brandon just comes in for the snarky comment and then goes away. Yes. Brandon is the side character. <laughs> and then Teresa, who we've Teresa's only seen kind of a been little hidden. bit. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's been pretty buried. And then on Baran, Ethan, we've seen a lot of. Yep. Kelly, we've I'd say we've seen a little bit of. She's not being buried, but we haven't seen as much Baran in the last couple episodes. I agree. Tom, we've seen a lot of. Old Kim, we've seen a little bit of. And it's been both times. You fucked up the challenge, Kim. Yeah. Lex, we've seen a lot of. And Clarence, we've seen a lot of. Yeah. So, overall, they're doing a pretty good job giving exposure to everyone in the cast, at least. Sure. Well, Most everyone. What do you make of the ones that they haven't really shown... Is, is there any reason why you think that is? They're all women. <laughs> well, I can't argue with that. <laughs> I mean, Survivor has a has a bad track record of editing its women that aren't loud, at least so far, through three seasons. Sure. Like, you know, obviously Jerry and now Lindsay are going to get edits with a lot of meat on the bones because yep. they're big people. They're big characters. But Gotta go where the footage is, baby. But, like, if Lex... If Lex was a woman, we would not be seeing nearly as much of Lex. I'd love to see a badass, tatted up woman. I would love that. I don't think, well, first of all, that person wouldn't get on the show in 2001. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, no, that's the only thing I think is that they are 
they are getting backseated either by the editors or by their fellow members in the tribe because they are less loud women. Jared, have you not learned from society that if you just stand up and yell at things, then someone will listen to you? Linda sure did. People will give me things if I just stand on a soapbox and yell it at the top of my lungs. I've been trying that for almost three decades now. <laughs> if you'd like to support our Patreon. <laughs> Never mind, we don't have one. Yet? We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. That's assuming our opinions are worth a damn. <laughs> cool, moving on. We, we go back to Boran and we once again have issues with animals. Yes. We're walking water, and we're looking at the baboons. Oh, there's a lot of baboons, like a startling amount of baboons. And I, in the previous episode, they hinted that they had animal issues, that something was going to happen. And I didn't remember issues with baboons, so I was sitting there like, what are the baboons going to do? Are they like going to swarm them? What's going on here? And then they, they flash to a, what is it, a muck, must musk ox yeah or water buffalo yeah water buffalo ox something he's sitting behind a tree and they they recognize it and they're like that is the most dangerous animal in africa that cannot be true i think it is well okay it also could be that portion of africa it could be in like kenya or that part of kenya but like you got alligators Mm -hmm. you got hippos (laughs) hippos are terrifying i will never get off the soapbox of how terrifying hippos are yes you have, of course, like your lions, but those don't mess with humans as much unless they're desperate. Yeah. I don't know. It just, like, warthogs. I just can't imagine that ox. But then again, I grew up with a friend that <laughs> was on a farm, and the bull was the most terrifying thing that I'd ever seen. So maybe it is. My take on this is I think that because it's an herbivore, it's much more on a defensive posture mm. than all of the predators are. Mm-hmm. It is a prey. It's not out hunting. So there's so many predators around. It's ready to fuck you up just to survive. That's true. And I mean, humans aren't really in their natural habitat, kind of. I mean, there are tribes these, around there. These Americans are not in these their natural Americans habitat. Their natural. <laughs> it's true. Going... I. And I think they read it right. Like, don't get anywhere near that thing. Make some noise. Do what you can. Don't fuck with it. Yeah. Why Why? Why even put yourself in that situation? Well, that's the number one rule of nature. Just don't fuck with it. Don't fuck with it. And then we proceed to fuck with it. Well, I meant like on an individual basis. Oh, okay, fine. And I, that... I love Baran. I love that tribe. They all are getting along so well. It's so kumbaya. They're having, maybe not fun for them, but fun for us. Mm -hmm. Adventures of like finding non-coconut coconuts and, you know, staving off lions and ox. (laughs) It's it's trauma bonding, once again. Yeah. (laughs) And nothing is going to tear them apart. Except maybe a lion. That, That will tear them apart, quite literally. We then see the... Other tribes, Simburu, going to get water. They go get water as a team. They fill up their, I don't know, the gourds, the the pots. Yeah. They do their best. And they haul back to camp. It's once again, it's really passive aggressive. It's weird. 
and then they get back to camp and they break two of their pots, both of their remaining pots. I think they had three total, but one had already broken. Yes. So they have no pots left. And we get this smug confessional from Frank mm -hmm. about how, like, oh yeah, look what happens. And I'm like, fuck off, Frank. This <laughs> didn't happen because they went and got water at a different time of day. Yeah. This happened because the pots are shit. And they're, sit they're clay pots sitting on an open flame. Yeah. How is that... How do they not give them anything better than that to boil the water in? They need a metal pot. I don't know why they're not given a metal pot. Just last season we had the metal water tins. Yeah. Why not? Why not? I don't get it, man. No. Why did Survivor have to make it harder? It had no reason to make water gathering harder. I told you. You said it cannot get worse than this. And I said, mm, mm, you sure? <sighs> and then we go into the immunity challenge. Oh, yes. I called this Sims Kenya edition. It's, I do not like this challenge. It's, it's the relocate the camp challenge. Yeah. They have to take a full home, a fence, a, a bunch of spears, and take it up on top of a hill and put it exactly as it was. So I want to give Survivor credit thus far. Sure. When we have talked about the land, the tribes, all that thus far, it's actually been pretty good. Yeah. Our cow blood drinking with, I think, Charlie, his name was. That Charles. Charles. Yes, of course. How You have to use his full God-given name, Charles. Mm. You know, very informed, educated, and, like, cool. Yeah. What the fuck is this? <laughs> Starts out with, like, as you know, the tribes around here are nomadic. And I'm like, okay, so what are what are we doing with what, that? What you saying, dude? Are we going to, like, pick up everything and take it a really far ways away? Nope. We're going to go 12 feet up that hill, and this is also I an Ikea hut. And I was like, <laughs> motherfucker. Okay. It did. It was like Hollywood Flats. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> and the, you're right. They gave a backstory to it, and then they built a very loose premise game trying to get them to respect the culture. It I don't didn't know. need this backstory. It didn't. Well, no. it did, because otherwise the challenge is garbage. Well, that's true. I enjoyed watching this challenge, though. <sighs> yes, there are huge, glaring issues with this challenge. One that we kind of talked about while we were watching together. Is this... What's the end objective? Is it speed? Is it accuracy? Yeah. Are they penalized if they get it wrong? Do they just not finish? Does what which way the house is facing yeah. matter. Cause they have two architects that had to memorize what it looked like yeah. and then wait and then help. And then they could like set things up inside the circle. If yeah. Like if the house is facing the wrong way, uh, it, it was, that was not clear. Apparently it wasn't an issue because they don't address it to us. And then nothing happens at the end of the challenge to be like, no, okay. It, everything looks like it's in the right place. So therefore you win. Yeah. They, they just put it all there. And then Jeff's like, you win. I don't know. It's, this challenge bums me out. <laughs> Any thoughts? The reason I did like it, mm -hmm. I like seeing a challenge that can be done in multiple different ways. So seeing Baran like take the structure of the house first uh -huh. and then doing it in different order, I did enjoy that, seeing two separate strategies. Also, the reward challenge was basically an individual challenge. You were one at a time doing something. Sure. Sambaru wins. This is a team challenge, and it's not even close. 
Baran stomps them into the dust. <laughs> so I also did like that sort of contrast That's fair. in the episode. But I, I will concede that this challenge has problems. <laughs> yeah. The big highlight, Baran kind of runs away with it. They do work better as a team. Samburu struggles with the house part of it. Lindsay especially takes some some good hits. Yeah, and I was... This is where I wrote down that getting rid of Doc was stupid because he was the strongest guy on your team. Yeah. Except for Silas. But that, in, that email about they knew he'd be bad at trivia makes it make sense. Yeah. They found an opportunity and they took it. Yeah. Hoping that they could use his his horrible... His lack of trivia knowledge against him. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have much else to say. Baran wins! They win, and we skip ahead to Frank's birthday. Yeah. <laughs> and he decides to sit around naked. No. <laughs> uh, wrong season. That's season oh, one. Oh, yeah, okay. That's rich. <laughs> Frank carves his family names into his torch. His tribal torch. Yes. I like this. I like it, too. I don't, they, they don't really show this any, in like later seasons. And maybe you're not allowed to personalize your torch like that mm. in later seasons. But it, it does. This is a moment where I'm like, okay, we're humanizing Frank. Yeah. This is great. Give, give me more of this. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And then, while they're sitting there talking, he, he speaks about how he's not just going to lay down and die. When we get to the merge... If I make it to the merge, I want to flip. Yeah, and that's cool. I do like that. And mm -hmm. I'm excited that he has that level of strategy. I don't like where it's coming out of because both him and Linda, and to a lesser extent, Teresa, in the, group's in the group conversation where we see her, they've now kind of given up on winning. They just want to make sure the young people in their tribe lose. Survivor has never had any moment of self-destruct, take the team down with me. I really... I say that sarcastically. <laughs> I hate that mentality. And Steven's played board games with me. Sometimes I've, I've had a habit in the past and I've gotten better. <laughs> About once I get dicked over, I, that person that dicked me over, it is my goal to make them lose. And I'm not proud of that. I hate that. And that's in a board game that goes on for an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. This is a 39-day season for yeah. a billion dollars. The fact that they came up against one inconvenience and are now throwing in the towel and just trying to make the other side of their tribe lose roughly the wrong way. Again, I just, I see them both. as just, this is the most dysfunctional tribe we've had yes. so far. It's not even close. Not even close. It, it hurts. I, I don't side with either side. I think they're all awful. Yeah. But if we get some interesting gameplay out of Frank being a whiny piss baby, then okay. Yeah. After the merge. Survivor just doesn't know what to do with this now because in, in later seasons, fractions are drawn. You're like, oh, okay, this could make for an interesting dynamic later. Now they're just like, dysfunctional team. Yeah. Yell at each other. Yay. Which it really does feel like Sambaru's become the protagonist tribe. Ogakor was the protagonist tribe last season. Okay. And the tribe Rich was on in season one. I've already forgotten those tribe names. Doesn't and I'm not matter. saying that somebody from Zimbaru wins, 
just right now there's more interesting things happening over at Sambaru. Sure. But it is interesting that ever since the the generational split, even in the episode where they still the the, the cracks first started showing and they still won and, and a brawn person went home, Sambaru has really taken the narrative of the season. We have this whole, we have boomers versus Gen X season, but it wasn't supposed to be. <laughs> this wasn't the plan. Wait, are the metaphorical cracks in the tribe relationships showing up in physical cracks in their clay pots and on their lips? <laughs> Give me a zoom in on those lips, baby. Gross. So we're gonna speed run this last day. Yes. Baran takes a beautiful hike because they don't have anything to do today. They're just like, all right, let's go up on that mountain over there. And they do, and it's gorgeous. They give Kumbaya. a nice, nice helicopter shot. Teams, man. We're together forever. We love each other. And then back at Samburu, they're like, okay, can you like put votes? I know like one of you is going home, but can you put votes on Lindsay? Because Lindsay already has votes. That'd be really nice if you could just put votes on Lindsay. So this was a terrible sell. Yeah? There's a way where you could sell this. Sure. There's a way where Silas could go to them, to the older people, and say, like, look, one of you is going home tonight. Sorry. But two of you are staying, Mm -hmm. and we could win every immunity challenge from here on out. Mm -hmm. If we're in the lead at that point, it's anyone's game after the merge. So if you want to help, you know, they don't want to say who's going home, but, you know, if you want to help the other two people in your alliance, throw votes on Lindsay. Yeah. But instead, they make it like, hey, can you help us, please? And I, I don't see a reason why you can't just pull the two that you're not going to vote for aside. There's no idols. There's no. There's nothing that can save them. Yeah. Just like be upfront about it, but not in the way that they were upfront of... I don't know. It just felt so skeezy. Like, one of you is going home. So and just, we're not going to tell you which one. Just do what I say, okay? Yeah. The young people are definitely selfish. Yeah. It's gross. And everyone's upset. Linda goes off again. She's like, no, I'm not going to do that, which I'm, I'm all for. I don't agree with how Linda says it, but I, I'm all for like, no, fuck your system. Let's, let's screw with you guys. What's in it for me is yeah. Linda's big point. Verbatim. Yeah. yeah. You're right, Linda. There's nothing in it for you. Do you think it'd be a bigger thumb in the eye? The way they did it, putting three votes on Silas, mm-hmm. or if it was one vote on everyone that wasn't Lindsay. I would have loved to see them do one vote on everybody. I think that would have been better. I th- I think so too. Yeah. I think they just want to say, fuck you, Silas. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you for trying to make me do what you want. Silas is, you know, aggro isn't really something that is established. Like, being a leader in your tribe is not a downside yet. Mm-hmm. Silas is really starting to make it look like a downside. He is doing everything he can to make looking like being a leader a bad thing. (laughs) We end right before council with a quote from Silas saying, nothing in the future is alarming me. I just have to make the merge. Yeah. Nothing about the future alarms me. And that he's going to win and just put that million dollars in his hand right now. Yeah. There's nothing. It's all according to plan. There's nothing that's going to throw me off. I have a feeling something's going to throw him off. Cool. <laughs> it's probably a good guess with all that foreshadowing. Right, yeah. There. I mean, they put it right in there. Yeah. And then a tribal... Jeff was weirdly, like, melancholy in this tribal. Yeah. He just felt down. Maybe he was having a, having a bad day. He's a human, too, I think. Poor Jeff. Well, 
there there are moments when I find like oh weirdly humanizing when Jeff is screaming so much that he loses his voice but still has to do the show. Oh yeah. So he just like tries to go through. You could do it. You're still in this. Doing his best Christian Bale Batman. Yeah, it's great. It's a good time. Jeff asks, was there bonding after the last vote? No. No, of course not. It was the opposite. And Jeff, you know the answer to that. You know the answer. Greatest quote from the whole tribal. Lindsay, I'm a walking mistake. I like somebody that can that can own up to themselves. Yes. Jeff, Jeff asked her, like, have you made any mistakes out here? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Yeah. She probably should use that to apologize to the other two boomers, but pride, pride's a hell of a drug, man. We don't do that. Yeah. Anything else you want to point out? I don't think so. No. It's just a weird tribal council where the, the lines are drawn. There's not a whole lot to talk about. So. Yeah, we're back in the realm of, like, it's a foregone conclusion. Yeah. Like, we're back to the beginning, or sorry, close to the end of season one, mm-hmm. where Rich is... Alliance had we're, all the power. We're and so picking you off one, one by one. Yeah. You're gone, son. So we break down the two tribes in one attitude. It is what it is. Silas gets three votes, but in the end, Linda's going home. I'm really glad. I liked it. First episode was like, oh, Linda, that's an interesting vibe. Yeah. So sick of Linda. She's so shitty and so passive aggressive. It's just obnoxious with it, too. It's the kind of attitude on reality tv it's like it's like sue two's big speech at the end of season one like some people like that it got survivor good ratings i am not here for that i don't mind people being shitty but i don't like them being kind of like cruel and underhanded and passive aggressive Mm -hmm. i see it a little different i think sue's sue's moment was a climax it was a big build up of i felt slighted and yes it was like shitty and intentionally hurtful yeah but linda's whole arc was hey let's all be cool to nature and then we threw that away and then just became attention seeking let's be let's all be cool to each other the gods are angry that we're fighting oh but now i didn't get what i want so i'm gonna fight you all constantly yeah yeah gods didn't do much to help you on that one linda sorry maybe you should look inward and fix yourself and then tells everyone to play nice yeah like after they did this thing of like well, we're throw votes on Silas because he asked us to throw votes on Lindsay. Like, I, it's the fucking double speak. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, oh well. Is this just becoming an anti-boomer podcast? <laughs> hey, I'm taking the middle ground. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> and then we get our preview for the next episode, but they don't use Jeff to do the next time on Survivor. They use like a radical, cool voice. It feels like they pulled it from a commercial. I think they did. Maybe they forgot to have Jeff do this voiceover. Yeah, or maybe they lost it or something before it got put on Paramount+. Plus. It was very weird. No, because that, it looked like a commercial. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Maybe they pulled this, like, from this Next Island Survivor from a commercial, like, as a preview in a different show. Oh, maybe. Because they lost the footage of Mm -hmm. the Next Island Survivor from this one. Or you're right, just didn't record it for some reason. Yeah. Well, they said that this... This next episode shakes up the entire game. The survivor will never be the same. Oh, I'm sure. What, uh, have any guesses? Surprise merge. Ooh, surprise merge. I like that. Or somebody dies. Never be the same. Because <laughs> it won't go on Because it won't go on. Yeah. How does Linda do today? Awful. Yeah. She can't keep her cool at all. No. She has no emotional maturity. 
she would be somebody that could coast along until until someone in her alliance gets voted off, and then she's it's similar to this. She would just have a meltdown. Yeah, I agree. I think she, if she plays again, she ends up about the same spot of, hey, let's all get along. Okay, I survived the first vote. Now we melt down. Yeah, the first time that something doesn't go her way, it, I absolute meltdown. Yeah, there's not a whole lot about her out on the internet. I'm sure if I dug deep enough, I could find her entire life story, but I'm not about that. EW does a follow-up with her immediately after she's voted out. So this is an article from November 8th, 2001. Wow, okay. Yeah, essentially it's just the, hey, I didn't hate these people. I didn't hate all the young people. I think I was frustrated with them. It's a game. I found you annoying. You found me annoying. Let's move on. And... I had some time to recover. I hate to say it, but they're actually nice people when they're out of the game. Essentially, she's saying, yeah, it's a game. I get it. Sure. They played hard. I played hard. Yeah. Didn't like the edit, but who does, really? No one's going to like, even if that was a gracious edit. Mm-hmm. There's there's a guy. So I watched Love is Blind. With actually, uh, <laughs> that Steven does not like. I watch it with uh, Steven's fiance, and we don't invite Steven because he smells bad. Okay. And in season two, there's Got a guy. Real personal there. There's a guy in season two of Love, and Love is Blind named Shake, who everyone agrees is fucking awful. And I have personal knowledge because he had applied and gotten through most of the interview process to work at a place that I used to work at. Oh, shit. Because he is a veterinarian, and I used to be in the veterinary field. And. He, he is awful. He was awful. He, I mean, I don't know the man, but he was awful. Everyone who's ever met him says he's awful. People that have worked on the show have said he got a very gracious edit compared to how he was. And he still claimed... His own mom said that, like, wow, yeah, he's an asshole, huh? Like, I love him, but, like, he really deserved all that. Go after him. He's a, he's a strong boy. <laughs> and he says his edit's bad. So, yeah, everyone who isn't portrayed in the kindest light is going to be like, oh, it was the edit. It was the edit. Yeah. Sometimes it is... I don't think it, like, those those shitty moments we saw on camera happened. So I'm not saying that was you the entire time, but they happened. Yeah. I have a, someone who educated me in my past that is very similar to Linda here. Where on the outside kind of plays this, actually multiple now that I think about it, kind of plays this, like, hey, we're all friends here. Like, we want to build each other up, but when shit hits the fan and they're pushed a little bit they suddenly go into this like no no no! i'm in charge i get to make your life hell you don't get to make your life hell and like what the fuck who are you the word of this episode is hypocrisy yeah carl and linda will never admit that they've done anything wrong and are condescending and hypocritical yeah at the time this article came out was still friends with t-bird carl and frank as she says t-bird t-bird okay Cool. Uh, your protagonist of the episode. Yeah, I mean, it's Silas. I don't know if it's been Silas thus far. I don't remember if, I, if I've said that. I think once before. He seems to be the one calling the shots for the younger people on the tribe on Samburu. Uh, either him or Lindsay. And, you know, he was the one trying to cross the divide. He's not very good at it. But he was trying. <laughs> Tried to rally everyone. And it blew up in his face. He got three votes on him. It's true. You try to control the game, the, can, the game tries to control you back. Or at least three angry boomers do. Yeah. Before we go, I did have one cool little 
footnote in this article that I think is fun. The final question was, since September 11th, a lot of people feel reality shows are a little frivolous. How do you react to that? And Linda talks, I mean, it's really a short article. Totally respect and understand that. But I would say this is a game show. It's entertainment. If you need a distraction, it's a wonderful distraction. But if you don't see it that way, I understand. Yeah, that's it's, a good That's a good point. It's the mentality we need to have with our lives. I Just live and let live. Let people do the things they want to do. Why? Well, to a point. Let people enjoy things. Yeah. Let I'm people... cynical. I'm very cynical. And even I'm in the camp of like, I don't care if what you like is dumb. What yeah. I like is dumb. Yeah. I don't know. I just live in so many walks of life. Where it's just I I have friends in the sports world, I have friends in the theater world, I have friends in the video game world, and they all just like bash each other's yep. world. And I'm just like, it always happens Super Bowl wise. If Ugh. you're in the arts and I hear you make the fucking stupid, well, let's watch the sports ball joke, I will throw you. Just like, man, there's so many. I want to celebrate the things that you like. If you have a thing that I don't care about, cool, that's awesome. You don't have to bash other people's thing. I'm on a soapbox. Let's end the episode. It's weird with you on a soapbox. I know. Bumper. So that'll do it for this episode of the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast. I'm stepping down from the soapbox. I am on the floor. Okay. Everything's fine now. I'm not used to it. The air's a little thinner up there. Yeah, we gotta get you up there more often. How do you do it? Oh, see, my head's full of hot air. Ah, so. okay, cool. <laughs> Anything you'd like to promote? Yeah, so my Spotify Wrapped came out today. <laughs> it's a fucking disaster. Oh. I listen in the 93rd percentile of America, or maybe the world, and some of the words to describe my Spotify rap were like goblin core, which was upsetting. But all that to say, I, I don't usually do this, but I would like to plug another podcast. I think I've plugged Lines Led by Donkeys before. Plugging them again. Love that podcast. If you're a video game person, Castle Super Beast is Ooh. an awesome podcast. Hey, email them. See if they'll come on our podcast. That'd be cool. We have a... I don't think they like Survivor. We have a spot for season four. Yeah, that's true. If you don't like us, if you want to send us hate mail, please send it to castlesuperbeast at gmail.com. Oh my god. That is castlesuperbeast at gmail.com. Why would you do that? Christian was on the episode and was like, yeah, I could take it. These people don't have anything to do with us. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, I am going to promote... You know what? On the same lines... I had a plan, but I'm throwing it out the window. On the same lines, I'm going to put my top artist and put them out there. If you like comedy bands, if you like comedy songs in general, but you like a good artist and someone who's actually making good songs too, check out Ninja Sex Party. Oh, I love Ninja Sex Party. Ninja Sex Party does such a good job. At, at the beginning, they were very formulaic, and now they're just so good at writing music. Look up any of their new stuff. It's, it is comedy, so be prepared for that. A lot of fart and poop jokes, but... It's led by a YouTuber and a rocket scientist. Yeah, a, a full-on PhD rocket scientist. I love it. But Steven, what's your most popular song? We're so over time, but we're just fine. 
So you don't have to tell the story. Just just tell what the song is, and we'll make that the story of the next episode. We'll keep leaving cliffhangers at the end of the episode. Sure. Okay. My top song was 500 Miles, and Jared and I have a story about this, and we'll talk about it next time. For my co-host Jared, this is Steven. For my host Steven, this is Jared. I'm dead inside. I'm unhinged. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.